Real quick before I start the show today, I wanted to let you know that I now have a YouTube channel and I'm going to have new episodes of the show up on the channel as well as some short little clips here and there. You can find that at fairlyimportant.com slash YouTube or you can just go to YouTube and type in the words fairly important. I'll be sure to have a link in the show notes. Okay, on to the show. Hey, thanks for being here today. You are joining me for the second part of a two-part conversation I had with Dr. Stephen Branson of Village Parkway Baptist Church in San Antonio, Texas. In part one, Dr. Branson shared the story of Sergeant Philip Monk. Sergeant Monk was a member of Dr. Branson's congregation, and in 2013, the sergeant nearly lost his military career, his military pension, and his good name simply because of his stance on marriage, sex, and sexuality. Today, we are going to continue that conversation by discussing how the Equality Act will make situations like Sergeant Monk's all the more regular in our society. And not just that, it will actually alter the majority of the freedoms that you and I hold dear. So as we start the episode today, here's my question for you. If your views become illegal tomorrow, will you stand for your values or will you roll over and take it? Because for most of 2020, when the government said, hey, shut down your business, hey, stay in your house, hey, don't see grandma for Christmas, most of America, we just rolled over and took it. I really do hope you'll stand for your views if they are tested by this act. I hope that even I'll stand. It's easy to say you will until you have that opportunity. We're going to pick up our conversation from last week. Toward the end of that discussion, we were talking about not just Sergeant Monk, but we were talking about the implications that this act will have in various spheres of society. And we were talking about how Bethany Christian Services, the largest Protestant adoption agency in the United States, recently announced they would be offering adoption services to LGBTQ individuals. Did they do this because they've given up on their views? Have they always felt this way but were hesitant to take the step? Or was this a preemptive decision they made seeing the direction the culture's going? This act is going to affect adoption agencies. It's going to affect any nonprofit that holds to a biblical worldview or really most religious worldviews, be they Jewish organizations, Christian, Mormon, Muslim, whatever the case. Your religious freedom, your freedom of speech, women's rights, women's sports, they're all on the line with the Equality Act. And there's some people out there talking about this, but there's nowhere near as many people talking about this as you would think there would be or there should be. And maybe that is because of how intimidating it can be to stand up and to speak out on issues 
that the radical left wants you to be silent about. Because we all know that for a lot of the people who aren't silent, they'll be silenced by the left. So here we go. We're going to continue on with that conversation. You're listening to a fairly important podcast. I'm Travis Rusco, and this is episode number 14. Yeah, and and I did hear that um, about Bethany Christian Services, and they're the largest Protestant um, Mm -hmm. adoption agency in the United States. And, um, you know, they made the decision to do that, but there, there are other organizations that, that are going to be forced to make that decision if this comes through. And I think that's another thing with it, too, is that um, I think there's this mindset in some political circles that, you know, that, that maybe if, if you're a church, then you can be considered a religious organization. But if you're an adoption agency, then you're not going to have any protections, even if you're a Christian adoption agency, or if you're an adoption agency that's owned by Christians, but that is secular, there's not going to be any any kind of protections. And one thing that I, I think when it comes to the Equality Act, and, and that I hope, if it were to go through, um, is that what it would really take is Christians standing up and conservatives standing up and saying, no, these are still our values. We're still going to stand for these things. And, and I think to myself, even with the the lockdowns that have happened uh, over the past year, you've had a couple of business owners. I know there's the owner of, uh, I think it's Attilus Gym in New Jersey that's owned by two guys. And and they've just, they've opened up every day. Um, they went to the gym the one day and their 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 doors were boarded shut by the, the government and they, they kicked the doors open. Um, but for the most part, as as the lockdowns have dragged on, as these different things have happened, and everybody has different views on lockdowns and and when they need to be done and when they don't, I I, I err more on the the freedom side of things. But as these lockdowns have happened, what I've seen is most people just kind of roll over and and take it and just kind of you know, well, that's that's what we have to do, so that's what we're going to do. And and my fear is that even Bible believing Christians, even conservatives that really strongly adhere to their traditional values that they adhere to that if this were to go through you you very well might have the same type of situation where most people just roll over and say I don't I don't want to lose my job I don't want to I don't want to get sued I don't want to go to jail and I think that a lot of that comes from the narrative that you hear over and over in the media that if somebody does have traditional values if somebody has values that are built on a Judeo-Christian worldview, people are told over and over again, that means that you're bigoted. That means that you're hateful. And so I think this is maybe a good question for you as a pastor. For for somebody that that does advocate for the Equality Act and, and who would maybe say that anybody who who's opposed to that, that that's bigotry, can you maybe help someone who feels that way understand where it is that our concerns come from and how having these viewpoints on gender and marriage and, and these different issues, it, it, it's not synonymous with, with being a bigot or being hateful. No, not at all. And, you know, the word bigotry itself means your obstinate and tolerant devotion to one's own opinions and prejudice. Most of the people I know are not obstinate nor intolerant. They have opinions. They have understandings of life. Now, I've known those in the church who 
who hold the views I do, and they do it. They say it in the worst possible way, and it might be a little bit of of uh, obstinance and intolerance on their part. But you know, Village Parkway, where I'm at, my people are so open to care for people. I've never seen anybody mistreated, no matter who they were, who our church has had to deal with. Uh, love is. It's not so much an emotion, it is action. Love is patient, love is kind, not jealous. I mean, just read 1 Corinthians 13. So the truth of morality, though, is a biblically-based truth. It's been part of the culture of, of every civilization for a long time. It's, it's, and it's the church's responsibility to speak to these issues. You remember in Acts 15, they're battling over what to do with the Gentiles, and they're going through quite a because the Jews want to do they keep the law of Moses? Do we not keep the law? What do we do? Is you know, all the religious arguments were going on. When they finally came to an understanding, this first big conference that the church ever had there in Jerusalem with all the key leaders from Paul to Peter to everybody else, what was one of the things they decided to tell the world? To stay away from the word is pornea in the Greek, immorality. The church's responsibility is to speak against all forms of sexual immorality. And we will do that. I I will do that in my pulpit. I don't attack just homosexual. I don't attack it even when I'm saying it's wrong. I don't, I hit everything, whether it's premarital sex, whether it's adultery, pornography, uh, sexual assault, anything going on. It's our job as a church to speak to the issues. And why do we speak to these issues? You know, the thing that dawned on me recently, the the sexual act is one of the most fascinating acts that there is in this way. It can either be one of the most loving, special, magical moments you could ever have. Or, on the other hand, it can be the most destructive act to a person that literally can destroy the very heart and soul of the person. And so God created, and we believe this deeply, for sex between a man and a woman within the confines of marriage. And so the church's job is to speak to that. When we speak, though, we're to speak it in such a way, not in attacking and destroying the character of others, but we have to be able to speak. Scripture says a gentle answer will turn away wrath. So how we speak it's very important, but we speak to the truth. And the church was given that responsibility, and we do that. And I think also in trying to be protection to our people, let me just give a sidelight of something I think will be fascinating. We're already seeing this happen in girls' athletics. I'm shifting just a little, but I really think this is one of the reasons I speak to these kind of issues. Uh, you're going to see girls' athletics in trouble big time if this goes into effect. Mm. It's already happening. We've already got the stories. There, there are several of them out there. Uh, but uh, Jackie joyner Kersey is probably one of the greatest women athletes in our lifetime, in my lifetime. Probably, um, probably one of the greatest women athletes in the history of the world ever. She ran a 10.49 meter. At my best, I could not touch a 10.49. She ran a 200 meter in 21.34. 21, 
second, 21.34 seconds. She ran four meters in 50 seconds, 50.89. She is the fastest woman in the world. And you go, wow, you know, she, she, she can do it. Well, go back, and I did this the other day. Pull up the, the, uh, the records for high school boys last year. In the 100 meter, she will finish five to seven yards behind the winner of a high school boy. Hmm. The fastest woman in the world will be uh, 0.5 seconds, and that's a good five yards back. At 200 meters, she's a full second to second and a half behind. That's, that's uh, going to be several more yards. And in 400 meters, she finishes six seconds behind. So she's going to be a good 10, 12. She's going to look like she got stomped by a high school boy. And I'm not, and I just gave you the, the records for the fastest boy, but I guarantee you there are 25, 30 boys uh, right now in the nation that's faster than the fastest woman. I tell you this because a high school boy is not developed yet. Oh, he may have some good physical strength, but, but, but young men, we know this from even just me growing up. We don't hit our peak in performance until we're 24, 25, 26, 28, 29. Girls and guys, it's going to ruin girls' athletics. I was asked to testify about this in Austin at a Senate hearing in the state of Texas. And sitting next to me was a head of a major lesbian organization. And we were on the same side on this. Hmm. She joined with me to speak against a similar law that was being considered a couple of years ago. It didn't go anywhere in Texas, but it was being considered. And she leaned up, leaned over to me. And we were talking through the whole afternoon while we waited our turn to speak for the panel. She's, I've worked too hard to win rights for women, and we're going to lose every one of them because of this. So I have a duty as a, of, as a pastor to speak biblical truth and to do it in love. And so I will speak against uh, all kinds of immorality. But I also see the injustice is going to happen, not just to church people, but to others. And I'll say this. I was an average high school basketball player. Uh, I played, um, you know, I scored 18 points one game, but most time it's two or three, four points. Well, when I was pastor in one of my last churches, not the one I'm at now, but before this, we'd have pickup basketball games, a high school gym. And one of the young ladies that would come out was starting point guard for, for the top program in the nation in college basketball that year. She was one of the best basketball players, and she was playing in Europe professionally. And at the time, I was 38 years of age and a pastor, and I was in fair shape, but I was not in athletic shape. But we'd get out there for pickup games, and I could compete with her. Hmm. A professional basketball point guard, I could compete with her. She, she played professionally. I barely qualified in high school, and I, I could match her. She was better than me. She was a lot better than me, but I could stay with her. I could out-jump her, I could out-rebound her, and she couldn't get past me a lot of times. Now, her skill level would help beat me sometimes, but I was amazed that here's somebody who was 24, 25, professional, world-class, and I could stay with her. So there's such a huge difference, and the Quality Act will wipe this out. We're already seeing it happen. To me, when I see those kind of things, that's why you and I got to stop. We want to protect her. I have a, a, a granddaughter that runs track, and she's fast. But when she gets against the boys, she's going to get blown to shreds. And there will be boys who will want to do this. And so I'm, I'm looking at this as a pastor, not only from a biblical perspective, but I'm looking at it as a grandpa trying to protect my granddaughter and the other four granddaughters, three that I have following up behind. I have four total. 
that their lives are protected and they have as much opportunity as the culture has now allowed young girls to be able to have. We're going to see that run by this. I honestly believe that because I've already seen it happen. And I've already seen the stories and I've already talked to people who've been involved in some, some of this. And so you have a young girl who trained hard to be and has a chance to be state champion in her state. And then she loses a race to a guy that has happened. It's happened up in the Northeast, I think, in a couple of the states up there. They've lost. That could end up costing her later. And and to know that you had a chance to win a state title and you lost to a boy, I mean, that's heartbreaking. So, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects. You can call it, I don't call it bigotry. I call it common sense. I call it caring for people and wanting to make sure everything's balanced. And so I want to keep the girls separate from the guys. And you do that by the sex they were born with. So. You know, it's a couple of roundabout ways, but there's a lot of factors. It's not just a, a preacher preaching against immorality. Absolutely. It's it's people who are going to lose their jobs because of people who don't know how to handle laws in a good way. Or people going to lose their job because they express an opinion. And you've already had people lose jobs because they express a biblical opinion. Or you're going to have kids who can't compete anymore because of the people who will be involved. You know, boys wrestling, girls in wrestling. How would that ever even be thought possible? So we're looking at protecting across the board. And so I think this is important. And I think people have to stand up. And I've seen, I think, a couple of states have already passed laws to keep the boys away from the girls when it comes to athletics. I'm glad that's courage. I want to see more and more of that kind of stuff. Hmm. But it needs to. I hope the Senate has the courage to stop this. I don't expect it to when they deal with this here soon. The House already passed it. But but it needs to be done. So I do it from a morality reason. But I also do it because I see the impact and influence it has on everybody else. Sure, and it and it passed uh, overwhelmingly yes. in the House. Um, but but like you said, it's it's not just a matter that somebody who is um, a Bible believing, socially conservative Christian should be concerned about. Um, and going back to that interview that Ryan T. Anderson had the other day with uh, the the Colson Center, he had pointed out. And I think a lot of times people try to equate the Equality Act to the Civil Rights Act and say that it's, you know, it's the same thing that we had with with the Civil Rights Act. And um, he had brought up some some different technicalities that I am by no means um, knowledgeable on. But he had talked about how with the Civil Rights Act and with uh, Bostock, he said that sex was only in Title seven, but. It wasn't in Title II. It wasn't in Title VI. And now there's going to be all these expansions that occur. And and he said, you know, with that, it's going to impact not just religious freedom, but it's going to impact female privacy. It's going to impact uh, girls' sports, as you had mentioned. There's going to be issues with equality. There's going to be issues with medicine and the well-being of children and education and employment. And and he had said that... um essentially any institution that that receives federal funding would underneath this be defined as a public accommodation so that's going to include essentially any healthcare institution any school because public schools and private schools a lot of even a lot of times private schools receive some amount of federal financial assistance um i think they asked him you know is this going to affect like a christian camp and he said I'm not sure I'd have to look into it, but I, I don't see why it wouldn't. Um, you also have homeless shelters, battered women's shelters, where you have 
um, they would have to bring in men who identify as women. To, uh, they would have to allow them to to um, to stay at that shelter. And so I think, um, it, you know, people need to understand that it's not just something that conservative Christians need to be concerned about. But you might have a, a father who has been working with this little girl for years and years to to get her to be an amazing track star. And that father might be the most socially liberal individual uh, that you've ever come across. And then as his daughter is trying to get into college on scholarships and she's losing in races to biological males, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that that people will start seeing this and say, oh, OK, this this isn't exactly how the Civil Rights Act was. This isn't what I, I thought we were we were signing up for. Um, Ryan T. Anderson had even mentioned and, and I'm not sure if you're familiar with this. I'm not as familiar with fairness for all, but I guess that's like a, a compromise act that some people that are concerned about some of these uh, these freedoms being stripped away through the Equality Act. Uh, my understanding is that fairness for all is is like a compromise act that came up. I'm not sure if you've I know that heard of that one yeah, or are I, familiar with it. I know Utah is is doing something along the lines. Uh, uh, they're trying to provide protection for faith that extends outside the wall of the the organized religion itself to the people to their people who are out at work and who hold some professional license and is like a realtor. So they're trying to protect people. So I don't know a lot of detail about it. I've just started hearing about this. Sure. Uh, but I think there's a way of finding a balance where people have have rights to, to housing and to jobs and, and are protected against that. Uh, but you cannot because the First Amendment protects our religious beliefs. And so anything that threatens that, I'm, I mean, we need to hold on to it. We lose that. And listen, this freedom of speech is is very important. Let me give a story real quick. Sure. Hey, real quick break here for a moment before Pastor Branson gets on with that story. If you've tuned into the podcast before, you've heard me talk about Fiverr before. That's F-I-V-E-R-R. Fiverr is this amazing website that I've used personally on a few occasions now that connects you with freelancers that are ready and available to perform whatever task you need them to take care of for you or your business. So maybe, for example, you need somebody who can handle brochures or making business cards or stationery or, or maybe somebody that creates a logo for you. You can get that done on Fiverr. Maybe you need something a little bit more complex, like somebody creating a whole new website for you or rebuilding your website from the ground up. There's so many different talented freelancers at Fiverr that are going to be a help to you and to your business. And the part that I love about it is you can really find something that fits pretty much any budget. I want to encourage you to go over to Fiverr today at fairlyimportant.com slash Fiverr. And again, that's F-I-V-E-R-R. That is an affiliate link, and I earn a commission for sending you their way, but it's at no cost to you. So if you want to support the show, and if you need something done for you today, head on over to fairlyimportant.com slash F-I-V-E-R-R. And now back to the show and Pastor Branson's story. I go to you, you. You're aware you said it in, in, at the opening. I go to Cuba. I helped the president of Havana Seminary to get his uh, PhD. He just graduated in December with his PhD. One of the finest young men I've ever met in my life. And so 
the first time he came, I flew him. I had to pay for all of his costs because in Cuba they have uh, they they don't have any money. I mean, it's the poverty level is unbelievable. In fact, right now some of the worst days they've ever had, almost as bad as uh, when the Russia collapsed and all the money vanished from Russia in the nineties in Cuba. So there have been food shortages of all kinds. COVID's caused havoc on them, and so. I, I take care of a lot of what they do. Uh, in fact, I sent money recently so they could have internet access to be able to teach while they're closed down. But whenever this young man came to the States, he came back uh, about, he came just as Donald Trump had got the Republican nomination. Tony Perkins and some others of us were on the phone talking about it because none of us liked Donald Trump. We, a lot of us were Ted Cruz at the time, others, other people. What do we do now with Hillary and Trump going at each other? And so we decided to get a meeting with them. Tony used his influence, tried to get a meeting with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. Well, Hillary didn't, wouldn't talk to any of us, but we got the meeting with Donald Trump. So I flew up to New York along with several others. It was a very well-known meeting that took place. And we had a chance to quiz Donald for about two hours. So I left there and flew back to Fort Worth because my friend from Cuba was starting his doctorate. And so I met him in Fort Worth to give him money to live on. But I took him out to eat at a really fancy steak place because they don't have any beef they can eat in Cuba. So I took him to get some really good beef. And so we're we're there. And so he wants to know my impressions of Donald Trump. And so we're sitting there in a restaurant in Fort Worth, Texas, talking. And I'm telling him my impressions, what happened that day. It was a good meeting, two hours, questions are asked and the answers. I'm about halfway through in this restaurant in a public setting when suddenly this young man gets up and he just walks away, walks to the door of the restaurant. He just got up, never said a word to me, just turned around and was walking out the restaurant. (laughs) And he got to the door of the restaurant and he just stopped. And he stood there for three or four seconds, just stood at the door. And I have no idea what he's doing. I'm still getting to know him at the time. I know him well now, but I didn't know him that well then. I'd met him once before. All of a sudden, he turned around and came back, sat down, and said, he said, excuse me, I'm, I'm back. And so we picked up our conversation, and we finished. And then we just had a men's night. We talked. He loves baseball. Uh, baseball is big in Cuba, and I love the Houston Astros. And I still do, even though they're called cheaters now. But anyway, that was my team. So we're we're talking baseball. And then we talk ministry and seminary. And he, you know, he's a professor, and I've been a professor. And we just have a men's night. So I take him back to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, let him out. I need to drive back to San Antonio late that night. And he said, thank you. And I said, I'm glad you had a good time. He said, I'm not thanking you for a good time. When we were in that restaurant, and you were talking, I'd ask you about Trump, and you were talking about Trump in a restaurant where others could hear us, I got scared. I got so scared I had to get out of the restaurant. Mm. And I, as I was walking, I was going to go stand in the parking lot till you finally came and joined me, but I was not going to stay in there. And when I got to the door of the restaurant, it hit me. I'm not in Cuba. I'm in America. Mm. And then he said this, I have never tasted freedom till tonight. It tastes good. Hmm. See, we can't have, I can't ask him questions in his office in Havana about something political. He has spies in his school and he will get in trouble and go to jail if he did. We can't talk like that there. See, this, this 
sounds good, but I know how it played out four years ago. And when this plays out again, people are going to have to be quiet. If you speak out or you speak to a truth that goes against what this is about, you're going to pay a price. And you don't want to go there. That's not who Americans are. We have the freedom of speech. We have the freedom to worship. We have the freedom to be able to speak truth. And you do not want to lose that. That's why people need to pay attention to it. They probably need to contact a congressman. They need to say, don't vote for this, because it's not going to work the way you're being portrayed in the media. And if we're not careful, we're going to lose some of our, our, our freedoms that we've had that made us who we are today. Yeah, and I appreciate you, um, well, first of all, sharing that story and just thinking that uh, that your friend was in that situation there in the restaurant where, uh, you know, he's been so conditioned throughout his entire life living under um, a repressive government. He's been so conditioned to not talk about these things and to fear the consequences about talking about these things. And, you know, I think sometimes when uh, conservatives bring up their concerns, we we could be we can be laughed at when when people when people say things like you know we we don't want to go the way of Cuba or of the Soviet Union we don't want to have thought police but I mean in in so many different ways that is what this it boils down to it's 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 thought police it's people choosing winners and losers for you know what is deemed appropriate in society and um, obviously that's not what our founders had in mind when they, when they drafted the constitution, I don't want that for, for my kids or for my kids' kids. And no, I, I, um, I, I know too, that you had mentioned, you know, the importance of reaching out to elected officials about this. And honestly, I would encourage anyone to take 30 seconds and tell your Senator to oppose the equality act family policy Alliance, put together a page to do this. You can get to that page real simple by going to fairlyimportant.com slash expose equality. That's fairlyimportant.com slash expose equality. I'll put it in the show notes. And what that'll do is that will redirect you to that page from the Family Policy Alliance. You plug in your name, your email address, and your state. And they send an email on your behalf to your senator telling them they should oppose the Equality Act. So please, for goodness sakes, that's something that anybody hearing our voices here today needs to do. Because this thing is dangerous beyond your wildest comprehension. And to dig in here a little bit more on why it's so dangerous, I'd like to put it like this. We talk a lot nowadays about intersectionality and just this idea that... um you know, you, you have oppressed people groups in our society. And I feel like what this what this does, this Equality Act does, is it takes people from transgender communities or lesbian or gay communities. And it's not so much about equality. It's almost as if we're putting them now in a position where we have to be subservient to their their views and their beliefs. And if we're not, um, we'll we'll face consequences for it. Uh, just one other quick thing that I thought about from that uh, interview that Ryan T. Anderson did over at the Colson Center. Um, he was sharing a, a little bit about the uh, about fairness for all, and and he had said that even that falls short a little bit. Uh, he might have said a lot a bit. <laughs> he said that uh, that fairness for all even falls short. Um, he said because it it would require what they call gender affirmation care 
So you're talking about everything from puberty blockers to cross-sex hormones to surgery, and that is also going to violate parental rights because the argument is that it would be discrimination to not prescribe those things and to not perform and pay for those procedures. So if you have a parent and they're they're even talking with their kids or or maybe even bringing their kids to a counselor to talk through these things and to talk about the ramifications of these things, that would be considered conversion therapy. This idea that if somebody's gay or bisexual or transgender, if a counselor is counseling them in any way that would indicate they're trying to turn them from that lifestyle, even if that person wants help turning from that lifestyle, it's considered intolerant. The radical left really frowns on that. So what that does is it leads to the reality that even under uh, fairness for all, it would still make it where parents don't really have that right. And and Ryan T. Anderson had spoken about um, it would be considered discrimination if you are a doctor and you do double mastectomies uh, for for breast cancer patients but you're not willing to do a double mastectomy for a high school girl who wants to identify as a boy, you would now be violating that high school girl's civil rights. And so what happens with a doctor in that situation is you're just no longer allowed to do that, that end of your practice. So women who would come to you that are in true great need um, for a life or death surgery, um, they wouldn't have that opportunity to come to you as their doctor now. Um, because you were accused of violating a, a teenager's civil rights who was perfectly healthy, but um, but wanted a double mastectomy. So there's there's just so much to this. And um, again, like you said, I think reaching out to your elected officials is important. Any other final ideas as far as um, whether or not this happens, whether or not this ends up going through? Um, any other any other pieces of advice for? for conservatives in general, and especially Christian conservatives, um, how we can respond to this? Well, just a couple of simple things. Do not be intimidated by the culture, by the mobs that get on the internet and everything else. We're not dictated and controlled by that kind of thing. We're to be controlled by, by the truths that we know to be very real. And just live your life each day. But if you find yourself caught up in this moment, and I really think more people will be, if this passes, you're going to see this more and more. When you get to the end of Ephesians chapter six, Paul is laid out very clearly in the book of Ephesians, our salvation, how it works in Christ and the impact and influences to have first three chapters. And when he gets to chapter four, he then starts moving into the ethics of life and how you and I are supposed to live. And he eventually gets to that should eventually have an impact on our families. He gives good biblical advice on how to raise your family. And then he begins to wrap it down. And then he tells us this, put on the full armor of God. Why? Because there comes evil days. When an evil day comes in the full armor of God, the last piece of armor that you have is called the sword of the Spirit, and that is the Word of God. Now, it's for the tough day. It's for the very difficult day when something really is happening that is not good, that with that armor we stand firm, and all that is is Christ. But we stand there with the sword of the Spirit, 
The word there for the word of God, the word, is not logos in the Greek. It's rhema, which is the spoken word. It's speaking truth. It's a difficult moments that you're called to speak truth, whether it be that marriage is between a man and a woman, whether it be on sexual morality, uh, or whether it is to defend a young girl that she doesn't have to go against a boy and attract meat. Whatever it is, don't be afraid to speak the truth. Maybe you're the one at the moment that God has put there to be the one who does that, to be able to help others and protect them. Take a little bit of courage. Um, it's what God said to Joshua. Take courage, and and you're going to move forward in life. Some will be what I think will happen a lot of times with people is they'll be going, okay, God, give me the courage, give me the strength. And the moment comes, and they've been praying, I want strength, I want courage to be able to speak. And then the moment comes to speak, and they don't. And you ask them later why you didn't. And well, I, God hasn't given me the strength yet to be able to do it. No, you've approached that wrong. What you do is you ask for the strength, and then you speak. And you'll find out afterwards that he answered the prayer. He doesn't answer the prayer, and then you know it, and then you go do it. You take the step, and you move forward. I look back on my six months in the month thing with Sergeant Monk, and I am grateful for every step I took. Was it easy? Was I, was I nervous at times? Yes. I had a dark soul of the night where I thought, what if I ruin this man's career? What if I say the wrong thing on the radio or on television and I ruin his career? What if I mess up for a month? And it, it was scary. And I almost quit. I almost called and said, I can't do this anymore. But then I took a deep breath. A, f- a friend of mine who is a finance guy said to me, biblically, pastor, it's your job to speak truth to this. Go out and do it. And so I did. And I Afterwards, I can look back and see God's hand all over everything that happened. So, you know what? Live your life. Enjoy your family. Go to work. Enjoy a good meal. Do the things that life's all about. But if the moment comes and you're caught up in this, you have the courage to stand up and stand for your convictions. Or if it's your friend, you stand with them. Don't abandon them. They need you at that moment. Will it be a little nerve-wracking and tough? Yes. But I remember Paul told the church at Corinth, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. Paul got nervous, but he never stopped. Paul got scared, but he never stopped. It's all right to be nervous. It's all right to be a little scared at moments like this. But it's not all right to sit down and do nothing. So here in America, we're facing some very interesting days. Those of you who hold biblical views, you're being viewed by the media as somebody who's messed up and wrong. You know you're not. You stand faithfully on that, and you demonstrate through love and kindness and truth, and you speak that, and God will richly bless it. I will close a very famous personality saw me in Washington, D.C. after we got Monk, case one. And he had seen it. He came up and was talking to me. And he said, you know why y'all want? And I said, no, I have no idea. I mean, I was new to this kind of stuff. I don't, I didn't, I don't do this kind of stuff. He said, because when I would see you on TV or hear you on the radio, your voice was calm. But you never wavered the truth, but you never attacked anybody. See, when these days come, don't attack your opponents. Don't destroy their character. 
speak with the values that you hold and do it in a, in a good voice. And I think God will bless it. But we better stand up. These things are going to be tough days if these pass. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to lose what we got here in America. I know a lot of people don't like this country anymore, but I still think this is one of the most amazing places. And I've been around the world and seen enough. This is one of the most amazing places in all the world to live. And I don't want to lose what we got. So to me, it's going to be worth it. And I'm becoming an old man now. I'm sitting now with gray hair and I'm a little slower than I used to be. But I got grandkids. I want to see have a great life. So that's why I'm, I'm doing stuff like with you today and other things I'm still doing is because I want, don't want to lose something that's very special that we have the privilege and opportunity to, to live in this amazing country. And this equality thing will not provide equality for all. It's going to have a great impact on a lot of people that will be exceptionally negative. So don't be afraid to stand. Well, I think that's a, a great place to end it. And I, I really, I really appreciate you, uh, you talking with us today, uh, Pastor Branson. And um, again, Dr. Steve Branson, he's the pastor at Village Parkway Baptist Church in San Antonio. He also is chairman of the board for the Life Choices Medical Center in San Antonio, which is doing great work, uh, saving babies, helping women who are pregnant and who are scared and are going through tough times. And in fact, the name was recently changed from Life Choices to The Source. So I will encourage you, go to thesource.org, click the donate button, and you can choose your location. Pastor Steve is on the board of the San Antonio location, but you can choose any one of those locations to donate to if you want to support their fantastic work. Well, Pastor Branson, thank you so much. I, I really appreciate it. Well, it's been an honor. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. God bless. Hey, I bet you thought I was gone, but I'm not. And apparently neither are you. If you don't mind, I'd love for you to do me a quick favor. Hit the subscribe or follow button in whatever podcast app you're using right now, I'll also ask you to review the show. If you do a written review, I might even read it on an upcoming episode. You can do that on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, CastBox, Podcast Addict, or Podchaser, or at fairlyimportant.com slash love the podcast. Okay, I'm going to go for real now. You can go too.